Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today, we might have our craziest podcast ever. Andrew, one of the biggest news, the College National Championship happened on Monday. Pretty much everything that we thought would happen would happen, but still, that isn't even the craziest thing. Also, Andrew, in the NFL, last week, three playoff games in wildcard weekend. We'll tell you who moved on. And Andrew, yesterday, there were two games in the NFL playoffs in the divisional round. We know two of the teams that will be in the conference championships in the NFL. Also, Andrew, in basketball, some very bad news around the league. And as I said, also big news in the NBA. Maybe the best player in the entire league got traded in one of the craziest deals of my generation. We'll tell you all that and more in this episode. Andrew, as I said, maybe the biggest deal in NBA history went down a couple of days ago. Who was the headliner? It was James Harden. As many people remember, about a month ago, James Harden was asking for a trade from the Houston Rockets. He said, you guys can't win. Then everything was fine. Basically, nothing happened. But just about four days ago, he said after a game, this team can't win. We suck. I'm the only good player here. And the team said, you know what? We're not going to play you until we can trade you. And a couple hours later, they did to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets were the favorite to get Harden all season long. And they did. They made a move. So now they have Harden, Kyrie, and KD. But that's not all they had to give up. The team included three other teams. The Indiana Pacers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and obviously the Houston Rockets were all in that deal. Here's Ryan breaking down what each team got in this monster deal and which teams were the big losers and the big winners. Yeah, Andrew, the, the Nets received James Harden, but they ended up having to give away Jarrett Allen, who ended up on the Cavaliers, Karis LeVert, who ended up on the Pacers, Teron Prince, who ended up on the Cavs, their 2022 and 2024, and 2026 first-round picks, and the Bucks, which they acquired before, their first-round pick from, I believe, 2022, and this guy, Rodion Skouroukes. But, Andrew, Jared Allen is one of the best young players in our game today. Karis LeVert was really, really heating up, and Teron Prince doesn't mean a lot, but he's still pretty good. And again, Four first-round picks. But again, James Harden. Andrew and I have agreed to rate this deal for the Nets a B-plus overall. Now, Andrew, the Rockets, as we said, they gave away James Harden. But, Andrew, they got Victor Oladipo. He is one of the best young players in our game today. He's on the Pacers. He's been one of the best players in the league over the past couple of years. He's so young. He's so good. Oh, my God. The Rockets really got a great guy in this deal. They also got, Andrew, four first-round picks. And they also got Dante Exum and Rodion's Kuroks. But still, Andrew, four first-round picks. Victor Oladipo for James Hart. Again. There's still a ton of time to see how this plays out, but right now, we rate the Rockets with a great A-. Also, Andrew, the Pacers. I'm pretty sure this deal happened a little bit after that huge James Harden deal was made, but the Pacers got Karis LeVert and a second-round pick for, o- for Victor Oladipo. Now, Andrew, we know Victor Oladipo last season had some injuries. He wasn't playing great, but still, Karis LeVert? The Nets young player who's a little bit older and a lot worse than Victor Oladipo and a second-round pick that probably won't mean much. We write this a B-. But, Andrew, the Cavaliers, they have Dante Exum, or they had, who's been a great player in our game, but they were able to trade him for Jarrett Allen, who's one of the best young centers in the game, as I said, and Teron Prince, who doesn't really mean a lot. We write them an incredible A+. Now, Andrew, as I said, there is some huge bad news in the NBA. What is it? Well, yeah, Ryan, the bad news is with COVID. There have been so many games canceled because of COVID. I believe after the first game on the season between Houston and the Thunder that was postponed because of James Harden and some other guys, there have been 13 games in the last week postponed because of COVID. Sadly, there have been a couple teams that just cannot find the core, the Boston Celtics and Washington Wizards. 
not the Boston Celtics, the Phoenix Suns, and the Washington Wizards have tons of positive tests. I don't think I've gone on the court in almost a week to play a game. A lot of other teams have also had COVID and have had to postpone games. But, luckily, there have been a decent amount of other games happening, and those games have been great. Fine. Some teams, they have been just phenomenal so far this season. Some, to no surprise, the Lakers, who won the championship last year with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, are phenomenal this year. Best record in the NBA. I believe they're 10-3, and maybe even 11-3. and Great, great team. And Ryan, in the Eastern Conference, another great team is really emerging as the Boston Celtics. Even without two of their top players in Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum, who they lost because of COVID, but should be back soon. They have still been a great team. And the Milwaukee Bucks, no surprise there, with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Milton, Andrew Holiday, and an amazing coach, Mike Boonehorser, have the second best record in the East. And surprisingly, in the West, the Phoenix Suns are one of the top teams. And no surprise here, the Clip, the Los Angeles Clippers are also one of the top teams with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on that team. Brian, let's talk about some of the top players in the NBA right now. As we, I feel like we keep on saying, Nikola Jokic keeps on playing out of his mind. He's averaging, I believe, 20 points per game. 11 assists, 11 rebounds. That assist number leads the league. Rebounds, I believe, is top 5. Points is top 10. Crazy for a center to lead the league in assists. I don't think that's ever been done before. And also, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, CJ McCollum, Paul George are all looking like MVP favorites. But Ryan, those guys are great. But there have been some great rookies this year that I'd say they keep this up may make their name into the MVP conversation. Those guys are LaMelo Ball, who I believe is leading all rookies in points, assists, rebounds, and steals. The only category he's not leading in is blocks, which is led by James Wiseman, who's also a rookie of the year favorite. Anthony Edwards is doing great for the Timberwolves, but not amazing. Definitely not number one pick. Like Also, Travis Halburn, who I know is one of Ryan's favorite players, who we couldn't believe dropped so far in the draft, is proofing that he should have gone higher. He is doing great for the Sacramento Kings. And one guy that I feel like I've never even heard of, Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky, who's a rookie this year on the 76ers, hasn't been amazing. But after the Sixers had to basically pull uh, Denver Broncos with their COVID situation, where they basically had like one more person than the minimum to have in a game that were able to play, Tyrese Maxey took over in that game. I believe he had 50 points, maybe 8 assists, and maybe 6 rebounds. He is great. But right, let's talk about some teams that really could be doing better. Mostly, it's just the Timberwolves, the Pistons, and the Raptors. None of them are really doing that good at all. But right, let's quickly get into the injury situation so then we can get into the NFL playoffs. Right, Kyrie Irving, we really do not know what's going on with him. I believe it's something to do with COVID, but hopefully he'll be back soon. Jason Tatum will still be out about another week and a half after testing positive with COVID. Ryan, John Morant came back last night. He had a great game, but he is back from his injury. And Ryan, Christoph Porzingis also came back a couple of nights ago, post a great game after not playing for close to a full year. And the Cleveland Cavaliers star point guard, Con Sexton, was also injured. And Ryan... As we said earlier, Karis LeVert was trade. And as some people know, you can't play your first two games after being trade. But apparently, he, ha- he might have cancer or something, wrong with- or something wrong with his lungs. So he will be out for some time. So hopefully, all of those guys feel better and can get back on the court. Super Vine in the NFL last week. We know what happened on the Saturday games. The Sunday games were so close. Vine, what happened on those games? Well, in the first game, Andrew, the Saints, the number two seed, my favorite in the NFC to make it to the Super Bowl, had to play the Bears, who barely made it. And as we expected, the Saints thoroughly dominated them. It wasn't as much domination as I would have expected, but yeah, the Saints won. They play today against the Buccaneers, the battle of two of the oldest quarterbacks in the entire NFL. 
clear first ballot Hall of Famers on both sides. Combined, have won seven Super Bowls. Both two of the best quarterbacks in the league will face off today. Also, Andrew, there were two crazy games last week on Sunday. The Ravens played the Titans. Personally, I thought this would be one of the best games in the year, and it was pretty good, but the Ravens kind of ran away with it. Notice what I said there, ran, and oh yeah, they ran a lot, and there was also a lot of running from the Titans. Both teams running attacks, but in the end, the Titans' defense just couldn't do anything when the Ravens' defense started to kind of heat up at the end. But Andrew, in the night game, the Browns, the seven seed, or the Browns, the six seed, the Steelers, the three seed. It looks so easily the Steelers are going to win. But Andrew, first drive, Steelers, throw an interception. Okay, okay, maybe just some pregame jitters. Browns go down and get a touchdown. Okay, come on, Steelers, you got this. Another turnover. Browns have the ball, score another touchdown. Steelers have the ball, turn it over, pick six. It's intercepted, ran all the way back for a touchdown. What is going on? The Browns are up 21 to zero? What? Steelers get the ball again, okay. Okay, now they're gonna settle in. No way, another turnover. Another turnover. This might have been the craziest game I've ever watched in my entire life. Andrew, the Browns dominated the Steers. At the end of the game, the Steers kind of came back because the Browns were just trying to run out the clock and didn't really care about how much they won by. But still, Andrew, the Browns thoroughly demolished the Steers. Now, Andrew, we know that obviously the Browns are the lowest seed remaining in the AFC which means they have to play the highest seed in the Chiefs. The Browns versus the Chiefs. Andrew, do you think that the Browns have any chance in this game that happens today? Well, I feel like maybe they do. Obviously, we didn't really give them any chance against the Steelers, but I feel like their defense really, really showed up. Don't get me wrong. The Chiefs defense or the Chiefs offense and the Steelers offense can't even be compared. But if the Browns defense can hold up like that against the... And the Chiefs' offense, or the Chiefs' defense, isn't very good. So if the Browns can just run right through, they could have a pretty good chance. But, Ryan, let's talk about yesterday's games. There were two huge, huge games. The Packers, the one seed who got the bye in the first round, played the Los Angeles Rams. It was the battle of the top wide receiver in Devontae Adams, in my opinion, versus the top corner in Jalen Ramsey, in my opinion. Everyone thought whoever wins this matchup is going to be the top third position. And I have to say, it was a pretty good matchup. I th I'd probably say Devontae Adams won it just because I believe he had 70 yards, maybe five, maybe six catches. But it was the Packers who really, really came out on top. The final score was, I believe, the Packers won by 14 points. But really, it was not very close. The Packers just thoroughly dominated this game. Their running back, Aaron Jones, was phenomenal against the number one rush defense in the league with the Rams, maybe they're not the top one. But just the Rams could barely get anything going on offense. The Packers' offense was just phenomenal. Just truly amazing. So the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game against either Drew Brees in the Saints or Tom Brady in the Bucks. We'll see what happens next week. And Ryan, in the other game, as we said, the Ravens beat the Titans, so that means they have to play the Bills. Ryan. Everyone thought this would be a super high-scoring game. The Bills with probably the number two offense in the league in the Ravens with an amazing rushing offense behind Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins. But Ryan, at halftime, the score was 3-3. Three three. Just what is going on? And Ryan, to make things even weirder, the Ravens, probably best kicker in NFL history, Justin Tucker, missed two field goals. From inside 50 yards, the wind was crazy. Neither team could really get anything going on offense. But Ryan, in the second half, something must have snapped for the Bills. Their defense came alive. Their offense got a touchdown. And that was the only touchdown of the game from that offense. But they really marched down the field, got that point. 10-3, Bills are up. Ravens are marching down to the end zone. And it's a tough interception, fine. In the end zone. Great interception for the Bills. Fine. He's just going to knee it. But wait. He's trying to take it out. He's trying to run back as far as he can. And it looks like he's not going to get anywhere. But then he shakes a couple tackles. He's outrunning a couple guys. 
He blew all his over a couple guys. He's joking. He's at the 30, the 20, the 10. Touchdown. An 101-yard touchdown for the Bills. What? That is the long. That's tied for the longest in playoff history in the NFL. Crazy. 17-3 Bills. No more scoring from then on. Also, late in early in the third quarter, Lamar Jackson was backed up deep into his own end zone. It was a bad snap. Lamar runs back for it in his own end zone, picks it up, throws it away to avoid the safety, and takes a massive hit right to his rib cage. Lamar is down, and eh, he's probably just mad about what happened. But wait, no, Lamar is injured. Lamar is down. And apparently it was a very bad concussion. He headed straight to the hospital, was out for the rest of the game. Didn't really matter. The Bills had that game locked up, and now the Ravens are eliminated for the season. But sad news for Lamar Jackson. Hope he gets better next year is 100%. But fine. That means that the Bills are headed to the AFC Championship game again. Either the Chiefs and Patrick Holmes or Baker Mayfield in the thriving Browns. But Ryan, let's talk about today's games. As you said, we have the Bucks versus the Saints. The two of the oldest quarterbacks in NFL right now. Two amazing line series. Two amazing running backs. Two amazing defenses. Ryan, what is going to happen in that game? I feel like this game is going to be crazy. Andrew, in week one of the NFL season, we said Tom Brady, the GOAT versus Drew Brees. This might be his last NFL season. Both are clearly going to lay everything on the line. Everyone on their team knows this crazy good rivalry. Two of the best coaches in the league. Three of the top wide receivers in the league. Two of the top tight ends in the league. This game will be nuts. But Andrew, in week one of the NFL season, Tom Brady did terrible against the Saints. Great defense. And the Saints took that game. Now, Andrew, they played again later in the season. And basically the same thing. The Buccaneers really struggled to get going on offense. And the Saints dominate. Andrew, I believe that was the game where the Saints won 38-3. The Buccaneers set an NFL record that hasn't been broken in 60 years for the least amount of rushing in the NFL. I believe the Saints scored on their first seven possessions. That game was crazy. But now, Tom Brady, we know he will never go down without a fight. I know everything points against this, but... I don't know. I just got a gut feeling. I think the Buccaneers are going to win this one. It's going to be a crazy game. I can guarantee that. Yeah, definitely. And right, in the other game, the Chiefs play the Browns. Obviously, the favorite is the Chiefs. But for the Browns to win, I feel like a huge key to the game, which really led them to the win against the Steers, is creating turnovers against this Chiefs team. They are one team that really likes to go, that likes to go for it on fourth down. So if you give them four chances... To only get one catch from Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or just one small run by Patrick Holmes, that's impossible to stop. But, 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 if you can get an interception on the third play or the fourth play or even on first and ten, then your offense gets the ball. Your amazing offense with Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry gets the ball back to score. I feel like a big thing is establishing the run game with Nick Chubb. Do not... Give up turnovers if you are the Browns offense. You cannot give that Chiefs team extra possessions. So, Ryan, we will have to see what happens in the NFL game today. And I believe by the next time we record next Sunday morning, we will already see in the Saturday games. Not sure which conference is playing, but I'm sure it will be crazy. But, Ryan, the playoffs aren't the only thing going around in the NFL. There are a lot of teams without a coach. Three teams have already hired one. Ryan, the Jacksonville Jaguars hired former Ohio State quarterback coach Urban Meyer, who was a great, great coach and was fired for some off-field stuff. But he is a great, great coach. A lot of people really like him. And Ryan, the New York Jets fired their coach Adam Gase a couple of weeks ago and hired former 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Saleh. Rusale, not sure how to pronounce it. And a lot of people love that. He is a great defensive coordinator and I'm sure will be a great head coach. I'm also going to add that he is the first Muslim head coach, so that's a big milestone in the NFL. I'm sure he'll do great for the Jets. Hopefully get more than four wins this year. And, Ryan, for the Falcons, who, hired the co- who fired the coach Dan Quinn early in the season, then had an interim coach, they hired Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. I feel like this is a great hire to really build that offense around the run game, whoever the running back is next year, and help Calvin Ridley be a great wide receiver. But... Ryan, the top two, in my opinion, 
coaches that are available, Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dabble, who Dable, former offensive offensive coordinators for the Bills and the Chiefs, are still playing in the playoffs, which means they can't be hired until their team is out. But in my opinion, the second the Chiefs lose today or the second the Bills lose next week, someone's got to pick these guys up, especially Eric Bieniemy. But Ryan, that's not the only football news in the world. Let's get to college football, the national championship, Alabama versus Ohio State, the battle of the Heisman finalists. Every team was watching. Wide receivers all going in the first round. Great quarterbacks, great defenses. Ryan, what happened in this game? Yeah, well, you might be thinking, uh, guys, the NBA, not that much special news. Why would you say it before something that would be so incredible as the national championship game? And I'll tell you, because it really wasn't incredible. Alabama dominated thoroughly. Touchdown on the first possession. Touchdown on the second possession. Touchdown third. Touchdown fourth. Touchdown fifth. In the first half, Alabama had five possessions. Andrew, a touchdown worth seven points. Alabama ended the first half with 35 points. You scored on every single possession. This game isn't even fair anymore. Ohio State got killed. They played pretty well. I'd say, for my expectations, they might have exceeded them very slightly. But just, Andrew, Alabama, they're so good. How is this fair? I don't want to play a game where it's not fair. Alabama and Clemson have won the national championship in eight out of the last 12 national championships. How is this fair? To a draft, but I mean, not really, since these are high school kids going into college. But just some way to make these teams that aren't very good a tiny bit better. And these teams that are so, so, so good, just a tiny bit worse. Now, that was a great game. Congratulations to Alabama as the national championship, as the national champions. And a lot of guys who play in that game have declared for the 2021 NFL draft. Some of those guys. Justin Fields, Chris Olave, Travis, actually I'm not sure about him, um, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, Patrick Sertain, Alex Leatherwood, all going to the draft, probably all first round picks, but we will see what happens. Now, Ryan, let's get to some Minnesota sports. Usually, I'm saying, hmm, our basketball teams are horrible. In this case, yes. Ryan, the Timberwolves finally got their first win in almost a month. But they came at a couple of expenses. Yes, Carl Anthony Towns did come back. I'm so happy about that. But not for long. Ryan, about three days ago, um, about an hour bef- before our game against the Memphis Grizzlies, we were told that Juan Cho Hernan Gomez Ricky Rubio and Jake Lehman were all not going to play in the game because of coronavirus. We didn't know if they tested positive or close contacts. We will see what happens. But the game was canceled. I was very, very upset and really didn't know how could they on COVID or what happened. But, Ryan, the very couple of hours later, we learned terrible news with the Timberwolves. Our basically only good player, Coral Anthony Towns, had tested positive for covid after he sent out a very, very important post on, I believe, his Instagram saying that he had test positive for COVID. And this really, really hurt because, as you may remember, very early in making our podcast, early in the coronavirus pandemic, his mom, Jacqueline Towns, passed away from the coronavirus. We really hope that Carl Towns gets better very, very soon. And obviously, getting on the court is not the most important thing here. It's making sure that his safety is well. But we have to focus on the Timberwolves, even without some of our star players. If our game doesn't get canceled, I believe it. we, we should play tomorrow. Right. D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley have been great, great guards for us this year, each putting up about 20 points per game. Ryan, if Carrington Towns is our center, obviously he's an amazing player. But if he's not, 
Nas Reed is really, really looking good there. Really good on the defensive side and pretty good on rebounding. But Ryan, I feel like I really don't know who can play small forward and power forward for us. I feel like we keep on saying Jared Vanderbilt. Try Jared Vanderbilt at the power forward or small forward. But Coach Ryan Saunders just keeps on having Jake Lehman, Juan Hernan Gomez, Ed Davis, sometimes Jared Culver. And I just feel like I don't think that's a good idea. In my opinion, I feel like we should try putting Jared Vanderbilt power forward and Josh Okoye at small forward, two great defensive players, and when Cat's out, Nas Reed, that's a great young three guys tandem. I feel like that'd be great. Ryan, just do you feel like maybe we should try having Anthony Edwards there, or do you feel like he's too good, to, he should be coming off the bench? Well, I wouldn't say Anthony Edwards should be coming off the bench. I just feel like he's not tall enough to play power forward. And again, even if somehow he was able to, I feel like that's just not what we want him to be like a player. We got him to get us a good 15 points a game, maybe five rebounds, maybe five or six assists. I don't think we're really looking for him to carry us to a victory. As Andrew and I can keep on saying every single week, this team is not contending for the championship. This team is not contending for a very high playoff ranking. We're trying to get, we're trying to develop Carl Anthony Towns, develop D'Angelo Russell, develop Jared Culver, Josh Okogi, Nas Reed, and Anthony Edwards. I feel like those are our team's goals this season. If we want to win games, that's great. Let's try to win as many games as we can. But I feel like we also need to develop some other guys. Ashton Hagens, Jane McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt. These guys could be stars, but we don't know. Unless we give him a shot. Yeah, and Ryan, as we said earlier in the podcast, the James Harden trade went down. A lot of people around the Timberwolves organization were saying, hey, maybe we should go after P.J. Tucker. They're very, very old. Power forward, I believe, is 35 years old. But a lot of people liked him because he's a great defensive-minded player and could really help our younger guys at those positions. But the Timberwolves didn't do anything. But from what I've seen around the sports world, after teams make these big trades with multiple teams, Usually their team is kind of busted. They have a lot of guys that they probably didn't really want. They just said, give me everyone you got. We're giving you an amazing player. So my guess is the Rockets aren't in love with their current team. So maybe they need a center. And we could give them a Davis. Or maybe they need a young small forward. And we could give them Jared Culver. But in my opinion, I would love to get P.J. Tucker. I do agree that he's not very young. And that he'll only be on our team for maybe one or two years. But I feel like that could really, really help us contend for a playoff this year or next year. But, Ryan, as I said, before we talk about the Timberwolves, Minnesota basketball is usually terrible. But not this year, Ryan. The Golden Gophers basketball team is amazing. We know that at one point, I believe we were ranked number 16 in the country. Well, Ryan, I'd say after this week, we should probably be ranked maybe even in the top 10. Ryan, we know that going into this week, we had to play Iowa and Michigan. Yeah, we did lose to Iowa. It wasn't really close. But, Ryan, yesterday we played Michigan. You might say, oh my god, and you're sounding happy. Did we not lose by 20 plus points? Did we keep it within single digits? No, we didn't lose by less than 20 points. No, it wasn't a single digit game. But we actually won! No, it wasn't on a buzzer beater. It wasn't only by 8 points. It wasn't only by 15 points. It was by 20 plus points. And as some people may know, Michigan was undefeated. I believe either one of the only final unbeaten teams in the entire country. And the Golden Gophers, Minnesota basketball, knocked them off. When I was saying top 10 team, I was pretty much exaggerating. But I do feel like we should be a top 16 team in the country. Ryan, real fast. With this great roster, Marcus Carr, Liam Robbins, and both got Ryan, how far do you think we can go in the NCAA tournament? I think how far could we go? We might be able to get to the Elite Eight. That's only for the top eight teams in the country. I don't think we'll get there. But I think we, we actually have a serious chance to make it to the Sweet 16. Andrew, the Gophers, we've made... The, top, the NCAA tournament, which is the top 64 teams in the country, pretty much regularly, and maybe I'd say three out of every five times, or maybe two out of every five times, we win our first round matchup, normally in a very tight game. But Andrew, I think we're pretty much a lot, we are, I'm, I'm pretty much guaranteeing we're going to make the tournament. I think we have a very good chance to win the first round, and 
I think we have a decent chance to win the second round. I mean, obviously, we have many, many more hard games. But again, we've already beaten Iowa. We've already beaten Ohio State. We've already, we just beat Michigan. If we keep on playing like this and we trade off beating top 10 teams in the country, we could go very far in that tournament. So we will update you again next week on what the Gophers did in this week. But Andrew, right now, let us move on right now. Andrew, obviously, we're in the deep offseason for the Vikings. Still many more months until the season and a couple more months until the draft. But Andrew, why don't you just look at what are the biggest holes on this Vikings team? Well, Ryan, I feel like the two biggest holes are the offensive line and the defensive line. Now, you might say, oh my God, Andrew, on the defensive line, you keep on saying, we have Daniel Hunter, Michael Pierce. And that's basically it. We don't really have that many other good defensive linemen. We have a couple of decent guys, Julio Johnson, Afidio Odenigbo, DJ Wanham. But I feel like maybe Odenigbo is the only real NFL defensive lineman that we can start every single game. So in my opinion, in this draft or in free agency, we have to sign a defensive tackle. We cannot have Julio Johnson as our second defensive tackle besides Michael Pierce. Nine on the offensive line. In my opinion, we have a great young center in Gary Bradbury, who hasn't been phenomenal, but has been very good in my opinion. We have two good offensive tackles, a right tackle and a left tackle in Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill, who in my opinion are very good at their position for the Vikings. Then, at left guard and right guard. At right guard, we have two guys. Dakota Dozier, who is okay, and Ezra Cleveland, who in my opinion was one of our smartest draft picks last year. Now I think has a very bright future. Brian, a left guard? Drew Samia? Oliudo? I barely know who these guys are. I really think we definitely need a left guard or a defensive tackle in this year's draft. I have to say, based on where we are picking in this year's NFL draft, I believe number 14, one Often, one left guard that I love is Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. I feel like he would really help our run game and really bolster up that left side of the offense. And on the defense, Gregory Rochier, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who went to Miami College. And he is a great defensive tackle who may go a little too early for us, but if he falls, he'd be great on the interior defensive line. So we'll definitely have to see what happens. But Vine, let's get to the MLB. And usually, there is 0.0.0 news. But Vine, this week, there is so much news. Vine, maybe the top free agent in the entire MLB, DJ LeMayhew, got signed with the New York Yankees. He re-signed with the Yankees on a five, on a six-year deal a tons of millions of dollars for DJ LeMahieu. And Ryan, that's not the only thing the Yankees did. A very, very good pitcher that I think all Twins fans would have loved to have. Corey Kluber also signed with the Yankees to become their second-best pitcher besides Garrett Cole. Why can't the Twins have Garrett Cole or even Corey Kluber? But the Yankees got him and DJ LeMahieu. And some other lower-name guys. O.G. Bradley, a decent reliever, went to the Phillies, who I believe had the worst bullpen in the entire league last year. So that's a really good decision. Alex Wood, who was a veteran setter for the Dodgers and Reds, got signed by the Giants, probably just trying to get a high draft pick for him next year. And Ryan, Brad Hand, who, in my opinion, is a top-five closer in the league, but for some reason in the MLB, basically no one cares if you're a reliever and your name is doesn't really matter to them. He got signed by the Mets, who, in my opinion, already have maybe the top relieving core in the league. But they still got him. But, Ryan, as I said, basically no one cares if you're a reliever. Except for this guy, Liam Hendricks, former reliever for the Oakland Athletics. But, Ryan, I said former. He signed with, yep, that's right, the ain't no, even worse, the White Sox. The team that seems like they keep on building and building and building and building. They signed Lance Lynn. They signed, they already have Lucas Giulio. They signed Dallas Keiko last year. They already have Ilo Jimenez, Luis Robert. So many good guys. Tim Anderson. And they got, and they also have Jose Abreu, who I believe won the MVP last year. Crazy, but Ryan, 
They got Liam Hendricks now. Their bullpen is so good. They are probably going to lose Alex Colomb, who has their former closer. But still, Liam Hendricks is probably the top closer in the league. Great, great ad for the White Sox. Really annoying for the Twins. And Ryan, also Kurt Suzuki, former Nationals and Twins catcher and Athletics catcher, got signed by the Angels to replace Jason Castro, who they lost at the end of last season. Now, Ryan, as we're trying to do every week in the NFL draft, we're going to knock off two picks and talk about who they should take. Talk about the number one and two pick last week to the Jacksonville Jaguars and New York Jets. But Ryan, this week, the Texans have the number three pick in the draft, although they did trade away to the Dolphins earlier in the year. So Ryan, let's talk about who do the Dolphins get. Yeah, well Andrew, this is a very interesting question. This is a team that last season was one of the worst teams in the league. They had the number five overall pick where they took Tua Tangalivoa. Sorry, Tua Tagalivoa. And a lot of people thought this would be a great pick, but Andrew, he wasn't that good. And they also were had a huge problem at running back. They had no running back. But I believe it was the sixth round of the draft. Took a no-namer of the name of Miles Gaskin, who is one of the best running backs in the league right now. He was incredible in his rookie season, so it's like they got the running back. They got their wide receiver. Their offensive line has looked great. They might have the best defensive backs, that's cornerbacks and wide receivers, and safeties in the NFL. Their defensive line is pretty okay. Maybe you could use another guy. And their linebackers are phenomenal. But on the wide receiving court, Devontae Parker's pretty good, but he's uh, he's getting up there a little bit. I believe he's around 26 or 27. And they have a young Preston Williams who's struggled a lot with injuries. So personally, I think they need to take a wide receiver. Andrew. Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, one of the best wide receivers, in my opinion, who would be in the NFL. I feel like the Dolphins have to take them. Their offense, it's good. It's pumbling along. Decent quarterback, decent running back, okay wide receivers, decent offensive line. But with the Heisman Trophy winner, the first wide receiver to win the Heisman in over 30 years, I feel like he would make that one of the most electric Offense in the league. A clear playoff team. Devontae Smith to the Dolphins. Yeah, fine. I definitely agree. Devontae Smith would be a great player. But they already have Devontae Parker, as you said. In my opinion, a big problem last year was their quarterback was under constant duress, constantly being sacked, constantly being taken down and pressured. So, in my opinion, you gotta bolster up that offensive line with Penny Sua, who, in my opinion, would probably be slotted into an immediate top 10 offensive lineman in the entire league if he was drafted to this great Dolphins team. He would definitely protect Tua Tagovailoa and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Great with his size and athleticism. But Ryan, let's get to the number four pick, which is the Atlanta Falcons was not trade. Ryan, we know that the Falcons really look like they're rebuilding this year with basically only two good wide receivers and a pretty good coach, Arthur Smith. So, in my opinion, if you got two great wide receivers... Who's going to throw to him? Matt Ryan? Nah, in my opinion, if Justin Fields is available, I'd definitely take him. But in my opinion, he probably shouldn't be. So, you got to boost up that defense with a great linebacker. Micah Parsons out of Penn State, in my opinion, is the top exterior defensive lineman in this draft. You got to take him. Yeah, Andrew, that might happen. But personally, I think that they really need a cornerback. Andrew, last year, in 2019, this team had one of the worst defensive backs in the NFL. So they said, hey, we're going to take a first-round pick on A.J. Terrell, who we think is going to be incredible out of concept. But Andrew, he was terrible this year. A.J. Terrell was garbage. They still probably, in my opinion, have the worst defensive backs in the entire NFL. That's why I think they need to take Alabama cornerback Patrick Sertain. He's dominant. He shut down Chris Olave who's one of the top wide receivers in the country in the national championship game, or if they want a running back since their starter, Todd Gurley, is a free agent, their backup, Brian Hill, is a free agent, and they have very little money to spend. If Najee Harris is open, as I keep on saying, he's one of the top guys in the country, I'd get Najee Harris. But, Andrew, next week we'll talk more about picks five and six. But, Andrew, right now, here is a great story about a great person. Her name is Megan Rapino. She was born in 1985 in California. She had five siblings, including her fraternal twin, with so many siblings. It was hard to keep up. 
and watching her older brother, Brian, play and love soccer so much. She just started playing around with it at the age of just three. Though she was only seven, er, sorry, when she was only seven, many of her older siblings were using illegal drugs and were setting a terrible example for Megan in which she followed pretty much everything they did. Her brothers have since committed to quitting and so that, sorry, her brothers have since stopped using drugs to set a better example for their sister. For, though for Megan, soccer was an escape from the danger of the world and her siblings and everything else. Megan played so much soccer, she got really good at a really young age. Many of the teams she played for were coached by her father. Instead of playing for her high school team, she played on a private elite team. She was very good at track and also played a lot of basketball. But you might think, oh, she probably just spent all of her time playing sport. Nope, she was an incredible student. She made, in, in high school, her, her school had an honor roll each semester. So obviously, that's twice a year, and she went to high school for four years. So obviously, that's eight opportunities to make honor roll. She didn't make it once. Not twice. Not three times. Not four times. Not five times. Not six times, not seven times, but eight out of eight times, Megan Rapino made her high school honor roll. She was a great student and an elite athlete. She was an incredible soccer player in high school with great speed and skill. She played forward and scored tons of goals. She played for many incredible teams at all ages. In her high school years, she played on one of the best women's teams in the country. Her family drove her two and a half hours to the field for practice almost every single day where they had their practices. Megan and her fraternal twin both attended University of Portland Pilots. They were both on a full scholarship. In 2004, Megan was looked at as an incredible female soccer player, but was faced with a difficult decision. She had an opportunity to play with the U.S. Women's National Team in the World Cup. But if she decided to play, she would be ineligible to play that season for college soccer. She needed to decide if she could bet on herself to play well enough on the national team to be noticed. But if she went back to college, she'd easily be the best player, but it'd only be college, not world. But Megan decided... She knew that she was good enough to be noticed on a, on a world scale, so she decided to join the U.S. Women's National Team. That finished third in a huge tournament, as Megan did very well. In the following season, after the one she wasn't allowed to play, which was her first season in college soccer, she led her team to an incredible, undefeated season and the Women's Soccer College Championship. In the semifinal game, Megan scored two goals and had one assist to the tune of a 3-1 victory over Notre Dame. And in the championship game, she scored another goal and assisted on another goal to lead her team to a dominant 4-0 win in the championship game. She made two elite teams for college that it was an honor to be named to. She was the conference's freshman player of the year in 25 games. You might say, okay, well, maybe the best soccer players would score like 12 or 13 goals, but even that would be incredible. Nope, she got 15 goals in 25 games, and just simple mental math, that's a goal in 60% of her games, which is crazy. That is insane, and 13 assists, which is also really, really impressive. Last season in men's professional soccer, the leading score averaged .57 goals per game, and that and Megan averaged 6.6 goals per game. So Megan Rapino was better, scored more goals per game than the leading scorer in the MLS, Major League Soccer. That is incredible. Megan also scored seven game-winning goals in 25 games. She set many school records with a crazy good season. And in her first year of college in 2012, Megan started to realize that she really wasn't attracted to men sexually and wasn't sure what sex she was attracted to. But she decided to focus on that later in life and go and continue to be a dominant soccer player. In her sophomore season, she was off to a great start with 10 goals in 
not ten, not twenty games, not fifteen games, but eleven games. She got ten goals in eleven games, point nine goals per game, which is crazy. But sadly, she suffered a season-ending injury in her next season. She cool, she cooled off a little bit. She wasn't as good as before, but she still had a great season, leading her team to a great twenty and two record. Even though she still had one more year of eligibility remaining, she declared for the Women's Professional Soccer Draft. She finished her college career top 10 all-time for women in points in soccer goals, even though most women played around 80 games. Megan only played 60, and she was in the top 10, which is crazy. In the Women's Professional Soccer League, Megan Rapino was selected with the second overall pick in 2009 by the Chicago Red Stars. She played a lot of the season, but only scored a few goals and struggled. In the following season, she played in 19 games, but only scored one goal. In the 2011 season, she had another good season with her team, making it all the way to the championship, but losing in a tough match. In 2011, she signed with a team from Australia, in Sydney to be exact. She played fairly well as Megan and other incredible female soccer players prepared for the women's national team in the World Cup in 2014. The fans of Megan's team were loyal and loved watching her dominate on the field. Also, in the year 2012, Megan Rapinoe announced that she had been dating a woman and was lesbian. She was one of the first lesbian, openly open lesbian female soccer players. And a lot of people praised her for coming out. Rapinoe also played in five international World Cup tournaments over her career, in which the U.S. has been in the championship game three out of those five times, much because of her peanut, but also because of her great friend, Alex Morgan. And the U.S. lost the championship one of those three times, but they won two championships in five of Megan's appearances. That's crazy. Megan is looked at as one of the best female soccer players of all time. And Megan has also seriously advocated for equal rights for women and has and is a very large media influencer to speak out against injustice all over the country. She also has an incredibly fierce attitude on and off the field, which on the field is great, but off the field some have looked down on it. But Megan Rapinoe is one of the best female soccer players of all time. Now, Andrew, that was a great story, but right now, let's look at the birthday of the day. He's one of the best NBA players in the history of the sport. It is Dwayne Wade. Now, most people know Dwayne Wade for being LeBron's sidekick on the Heat. And some people say he's even worse than Chris Bosh, but definitely not. Dwayne Wade is one of the best players in NBA history, but that's not what I remember him for, or what kids probably under the age of eight remember him for. They remember him of earlier this year, before the pandemic, I know, it's hard to believe, in almost about 11 months ago in February, in the NBA dunk contest. Some of the top players in the game were there. Aaron Gordon, Derek Jones Jr., two of the top dunkers in the NBA, were facing off in a championship round. Derek Jones Jr., who was on the heat. He Made a dunk that was okay, and Dwayne Wade was on the judges' panel since he had retired, but still very close to the game, and a lot of people liked him. And there were, I believe, I forgot how many judges, but they could give them a score of four. There were four judges. So, and a lot of people said that Derek Jones Jr. dunk, who was on the heat, I might add, when Dwayne Wade was there. A lot of people said that his dunk was not very good, but Dwayne Wade gave him a perfect score. Which basically no one could believe since they really did not really like his dunk. And then Aaron Gordon went and Dwayne Wade didn't give him a very good score. Even though it was one of the best dunks I've ever seen in my entire life. A lot of people say this was bought by Dwayne Wade to pick his former Heat teammate. But I say he was just looking out for the best dunk since he is a great NBA player. Happy birthday Dwayne Wade. Maybe next time don't be so biased. Yeah, that is a great lesson. Don't be so biased. Now, Andrew, we are running out of time on this podcast episode, but let's just talk a little bit around the sports of the game. Now, a very, very sad moment that Kentucky 
athlete Ben Jordan passed away at the young age of just 22 years old. This is very sad. Also, Andrew, as you said before, in the NBA, the coronavirus has taken a monumental toll on it. Next week, without the national championship game in college football, also probably not a huge NBA trade, and also probably not as much NBA coronavirus news, and probably not as much NFL playoff news, maybe we'll discuss a little bit about what the NBA can do to stop the coronavirus a little bit, but right now, when Charles Barkley was asked about it, he said, NBA players need to receive the vaccine now. I don't really want to get into it that much, and I'm guessing you don't either, Andrew, but just tell me a couple of words about what you think about this. In my opinion, I don't think this is a very good idea. I feel like, don't get me wrong, a lot of people do like the NBA, but in my opinion, healthcare workers really deserve it a lot more. Teachers, basically, anyone, basically almost any adult or most kids, too, probably deserve to get back. Also, the NBA is still happening. Yeah, there is some COVID and some games that aren't being played, but in my opinion, for the most part, it is going fine. In some other NBA COVID news, Kyrie Irving, as we said earlier in the podcast, has been out for a while with something related to COVID. And Stephen A. Smith, who, if you remember from our very first episode, was very mad at some MLB players, said, Kyrie Irving, you should retire. You have been suspended too many times. Fine, too many times. And apparently, Stephen A. Smith feels that he should not be playing in the NBA anymore, even though he's under 30 years old. So we'll see what happens there. Ryan, let's just do one pick em. Ryan, today we have the Saints versus the Bucks, the oldest quarterback in basically NFL history. Ryan, tell me what is going to happen. Yeah, as I said before, I just got this gut feeling that the Buccaneers are going to win. If the Saints win, would I be surprised? Not even the slightest. But... I don't know. I just think Brady and the Bucks are going to take home this victory. Brady wants it too bad. The Bucks need it too bad. And the Saints, I'm not sure. I just feel like they might not have it going right now. So, Andrew, who you got in the second game of the day? The Chiefs and Browns. Fine. I think I got to go with the Chiefs. I think that's everyone's pick. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Kill, and Travis Kelsey. The elite trio. That's too good for any single team. I don't think ever there might be the best quarterback, wide receiver, tight end trio in NFL history. So we'll see what happens next week in the NFL playoffs on Twin Talk MN.